0: I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to continue our coverage of E3 2021, looking at the remaining presentations at the showcase. Jonathan Leo from kakuchupuri.com joins us again for this and we're going to start with the PC
1: Gaming Show. So, uh, PC Gamer Magazine actually had their own showcase together with basically it's a future publishing event where they basically get... All these different publishers for PC games and they had the host uh, Day9, He used to be a big StarCraft II guy, uh, hosting this just like he did the last two, three years with his awkward brand of humor and where you're presenting, which is fine because, you know, that just makes the whole show a little bit more charming in itself. So it's just basically that. Lots of PC games that you never heard of that are coming out either the following month or until like next year or so. So the selection of titles are pretty interesting from They Always Run, which is a 2D action bounty hunter game with really nice 2D graphics, Orcs Must Die, 3, the third in the tower defense orc killing game, which came out on Stadia first, but I guess now this year they're going to make it multi-platform as well as on PC. The PC gaming show also made, also had a pretty good announcement from Malaysian developer Passion Republic. They've announced the PC version of Gigabash, so I guess they saved that piece of news for PC gaming show instead of like, you know, local media. But you know what? That's a, another conversation for another day lah. So there are also other titles too, like Lakeburg Legacies, which is a, I guess it's a village simulator where you basically match couples to each other and let the village grow. So it's kind of like Downton Abbey meets Crusader Kings 3. If that combination makes sense in your head, because I see the trailer, that's what it sounds like and that's what it looks like. It's pretty charming, 2D graphics and all and a nice little aesthetic and an uh, interesting system. And also another nice game called Gloomwood, which is a stealth shooter made by these uh, guys called New Blood or Next Blood, uh, these developers who are renowned for making like retro inspired shooters in the 90s and two thousand era. So if you want games that look like Quake and the original teeth, these are the go-to guys for that kind of shooter action. So I think that's all I can say about the PC gaming show. Lots of stuff that's going to cater to a lot of people. And even some little entries here, and they're big and small, and that's about it.
0: Hello, this is Cern from Passion Republic Games. We are a Malaysian-based indie game studio working on Gigabash, a multiplayer arena brawlers inspired by kaijus and heroes. Today, we'd like to showcase some new and exciting gameplay footage of our oversized characters in action. Please, enjoy the brawl. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, regarding uh, Giga Bash, is this their first ever game developed by the studio themselves?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Because they've actually done a lot of like art assets and uh, development assistance for other bigger titles. The most notable one was last year's Ghost of Tsushima. So Giga Bash is like their big break in a sense. So it's coming out on PlayStation, and now it's coming out for PC based on the announcement that happened on PC Gaming Show.
0: Mm, okay, that will be interesting. I think we'll keep an eye on that. Um, moving on, Capcom. And <laughs> I have to say, I mean, it's pretty disappointing for me, but yeah, what did they actually announce during that event?
1: I don't know about that because they basically went out of their way to state that, yes, we are announcing these games and nothing else. And then they did, pretty much. They announced the Resident Evil like celebration and then, oh, we have a DLC oncoming. We have nothing to show yet, but it's coming. So they confirmed that. They showed off a lot of... Ace Attorney, a great Ace Attorney, the collection, because this game actually came out on the 3DS in Japan, but it was never localized until now. So now they're going to release it for all major platforms and PC. So this upcoming Ace Attorney game is basically focused on Phoenix Wright's ancestor, who is basically doing a lot of lawyer work in London. So he actually gets to meet up with like facsimiles like Herlock Sholmes, whom you know it's a parody of Sherlock Holmes. And basically it's, it's running on that theme, lah, like detective cases, defending clients in London back in the 30s and 40s era. And other titles, I think there's just a lot of Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2 announcements, but that's about it. Monster Hunter Stories 2 is coming out next month, so they're just hyping that up. And Monster Hunter Rise is already out, but they're going to have some, like, some cross Monster Hunter content coming back and forth between these two Monster Hunter games, as well as upcoming DLC, either both paid and free. So that's what they set out to say and talk about, and that's about it. So it's like, yes, we're doing this, but don't expect much. And they succeeded on that front.
0: Yeah, um, from one Japanese company to another, I think let's talk about uh, Bandai Namco. Uh, I was hoping for more details, and I think I think a lot of people were also hoping for a lot more details on Elden Ring, but surprisingly, uh, nothing was announced on Elden Ring apart from the trailer that was announced earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Elden Ring announcement was probably just saved up for the Jeff Keighley show, the one we talked about, as well as for, for Mitsu. But for Bandai Namco's side, they only focus more on House of Ash, the next Entry in the Dark Pictures anthology. It's not really my game, but I'm sure people who like that adventure game would love to check it out and find out what makes this one different than the other two anthologies. People who are expecting announcements on Scarlet Nexus and Tales of Arise, they actually have like a bunch of like after E3 2021 stuff going on where Japanese publishers actually talked about it literally yesterday. Uh, at this time of recording, they announced like 24 hours ago about. Tales of Arise new gameplay footage and Scarlet Nexus launch footage stuff la, basically. So a lot of people who even though it wasn't shown in English, people who can read Japanese or at least like can appreciate gameplay in Japanese can watch these two streams, the replays of this like on the on the respective YouTube Bandai Namco channels. Mm,
0: all right, okay. Uh, and uh, moving on, I think E Y3... three ended with Nintendo's uh, presentation, right? And I think Nintendo sort of like, I think, save Ichi as well, to the next 10.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, yes, it's a good presentation, yes. But based on what Nintendo has done, like in terms of showing the 3DS, the DS originally, when Reggie fils came in when he was the president of Nintendo America, to even like the one where they showcase the Switch... I think this one was good, but not like one of the better Nintendo press conferences. So all these fanboys who say, "Oh, Nintendo saved E three and all that," it's no, they did not. But it was a good presentation. But but anyway, we can talk about the stuff that happened. Like I think the biggest surprise for me was like they brought back Metroid from the dead after sixteen years of inactivity. Yeah, the two D Metroid, right? Yes, the two D Metroid. They call it Metroid Five. It's called Metroid Dread and they showcase a lot of things that people wanted from a Metroid game. Exploration, suspense, combat. Samus, with her new armor, she's kicking a lot of butt and everything. And a new enemy called an EMMI or Emmy Robot who basically just hunts her down in one particular segment and she basically has to use her new skills to get out alive. So this presentation plus like the treehouse extended presentation showcase a lot of her skills. Like after she kills a boss, she basically can use this phantom cloak ability to hide from Emmy. So she has to basically use all these corners, crevasses, you know, become a morph ball, run away from the robot because once the robot catches up with you, you're dead. So there's a lot of like this twist and turns as well as the usual Metroid exploration search action thing going on that influenced a lot of indie games from then till now. Yeah, this is the original Metroidvania before that term was coined.
0: Yeah. How much of this will placate uh I think fans who are still clamoring for Metroid Prime 4?
1: Um well they can wait for Metroid Prime like another year because this is this is like people who said that this is a spin-off of Metroid Prime should get slapped because <laughs> this is the original Metroid guys. Everyone here <laughs> listening. Like um yeah people adored Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion to an extent. So to have this coming back like a callback and an entirely new sequel based on the original Metroid is a godsend for people who are hoping for the good old days of Metroid 2D action. So this is going to placate all the fans, at least until Metroid Prime 4 comes out, which is probably, I'm going to bet it's probably another two more years because... I think this when it comes up hopefully it's good and when it's really good people are going to be talking about it for years to come or at least months. Mm. Do you think that this is the biggest announcement? Bigger than say uh, a sequel to a certain game? (laughs) Well for me it personally is because I'm a really huge fan of Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid so to have this announcement is pretty big for me but obviously the biggest one for fans is like a tease of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. They showed, like, what, maybe 30 seconds of gameplay? And that's not final. But they did tease a lot of things. Like, basically, Link will now be exploring in a Sky Palace Castle country thing. He's got time-warping and time-stopping powers. And I think he's got a metal arm, which I, I'm not sure what it can do. But maybe he can magnetize stuff or shoot out stuff from, from his hand. I don't know. But it looks very promising. But there's too little to go on about as to what this sequel will have. I think all the other presentations uh, the, all the other trailers and the extended stuff they have from Nintendo is actually more fleshed out. Like another sequel to an uh, anticipated game, uh, Shin Megami Tensei. They actually showcased a lot of gameplay from Shin Megami Tensei 5. Not just in like the Nintendo Direct, but also in the Treehouse and Atlas's um, deep dive trailer the following day. So for those who don't know, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is a sequel to a game that spinned off a really popular GRPG called Persona. Uh, you played that before, right, Manif?
0: Um, oh, I didn't know that. I've never played Persona, but I didn't know that Shin Megami Tensei is a spin-off of
1: Persona. No, 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 no. no. It's the other way around. Shin Megami Tensei is the original game. Persona ah, is a spin-off. I so see. So for oh, people okay. who want the original JRPG flavor from Atlus, they got to play Shin Megami Tensei. And the fifth game looks very promising. You've got like an open-world map. You've got a pretty interesting premise where your high school student protagonist gets... Wrapped into a different world, a post-apocalyptic world, and he turns into like a demigod called Nahibino. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this. You can type it in the notes. So he basically is like a long-haired, super-powered demon character who has a who can summon blades from his hands and he can summon demons into his back and call. So of course, this game lets you summon demons and fuse them to make powerful demons. And true to these kind of titles, it's going to be as hard as heck. So for those who want a challenge in GRPGs, I believe Shangami Tensei 5 will deliver on that. The game is coming out, I believe, on the 11th or 12th of November for Nintendo Switch, of course. So a lot of people who are looking forward to like uh to fill that void for Persona games can basically look forward to Shangami Tensei 5.
0: Mm. Going back to Breath of the Wild 2, the name hasn't been confirmed that it's gonna be Breath of the Wild 2, right?
1: Nope. I think they're wait they're still planning a subtitle for it. So, we're not sure what's going to be called. So, in the meantime, we could be rest assured that it's coming out next year, hopefully, if, you know, things go according to plan and, you know, because of the pandemic, things can happen right, so. Other
0: than that, I think there's also Super Monkey Ball, a new Super Monkey Ball, I think,
1: or another, an updated collection. Uh, it's an updated collection, I believe. And there's also, like, a return of WarioWare, like, for people who like the old WarioWare games of the mini games back in the Wii they're going to have a new version of this game where instead of like mini games being flipped back and forth, it's the same thing, except they actually include playable characters in the games. So this is actually the first time you control an avatar, whether it's Wario or Wario's uh, worker friends or his pals like Mona and who else? Uh, Ashley and a bunch of other characters. Uh, basically, it's going to be a multiplayer game where whoever survives all the multiplayer games wins, basically. So it looks pretty interesting.
0: Overall, what do you think of Nintendo's presentation?
1: I, I, I know you said earlier that it's
0: not the best, but yeah.
1: It's still really good. Um, Between, okay, among all the presentations that happened in E3 2021, Xbox and Nintendo are the obvious highlights. Like, both of them uh, basically showed what they needed to show, a bunch of surprises, Um, Metroid Dread especially for me, and make, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five official that's coming out this year. And that's pretty much it. They showcase a lot of new and stuff that's even coming out either this year or the following year or the year after that. So a lot of good surprises here and there are lots of great things we want to expect. Gameplays, either it's gameplay or gameplay trailers or just a trailer or just announcement. So as far as like a showcase, a video game showcases are both of these companies did a great job. Now, not to say that everyone else did a terrible job, don't get me wrong. They actually worked really hard, especially in delivering, especially in this unique time of year as well as last year to prepare all this but at the same time it's clear that Xbox and Nintendo are the the ones who stood up above the rest
0: Mm. um I know earlier there were rumours of Nintendo possibly announcing a Switch Pro, right? And yeah, E3 has, you know, passed now. Um, no announcement. Because initially they said that they're probably going to announce it before E3. So that um, E3 is going to be focused more on just the games, right? So yeah, E3 has ended and we still don't have any announcement on this uh, rumoured uh, Switch Pro. Uh, do you think that it, it will actually come?
1: Uh, yeah, hopefully by this year it'll come out. I mean, all the announcements of it coming out before E3 or during E3, they're all like speculation until Nintendo makes it official. But generally, Nintendo of America's president Doc Bowser did mention in a interview recently that when we're ready to showcase it, we'll show it. Until then, we'll just have to hold back because right now, I think the Nintendo Switch and its other models are doing just fine right now. Especially with the upcoming games, either this month or the next few months or so. So I don't think there's any hurry to sell off your Switch for a new model. Just keep the old one you have in other words, until, you know they officially announce the new model.
0: That was John Leo, content director from the gaming website, kakuchupure.com, sharing the remaining announcements made at E3 2021. We're going for a short break and when we come back, we're going to reflect on the overall event. Stay tuned, this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. We've seen, read and heard about most of the presentations and trailers at Summer Game Fest and E3 2021, so let's reflect on how they were liked and joining me to do that is our guest, Jonathan Leo from um So overall, in totality, what do you think of this year's uh, E3 2021 and also Summer Game Fest, I guess, since it's Well, I don't know. Maybe it's part of it, but it's technically not.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, technically it's not, but at the same time, we can all lump it all together. This summer of gaming uh, for June, it actually turned out pretty alright. I mean, I'm actually a fan of seeing digital showcases because I did like how Nintendo has approached it for a few years back. So it's good that all companies are basically adapting to a very interesting time of these past few years or so. So. It's good that, you know, some companies step up above the rest, but they're doing their best to showcase whatever they have while developing these games and getting them ready for their launch dates or whatnot. So, yeah, good job. I think this is something... I mean, I do miss having offline events, so get me wrong. I mean, I did enjoy going to E3 back in the day. Like, I've been to five of these before back then, like about starting from 2009 onward. But... Generally, having an online E3 is good for everyone to just watch and be on that same playing field while reporting on it as well as talking about it. So it's good. It's good. Like people are appreciating what's being shown. So and then, of course, at the end of the day, it's all about like what we're getting in the future. And in that regard, I think this year's E3 as well as the Summer Game Showcase and Nintendo and Microsoft's showcases have done really well in establishing that.
0: For me, personally, it's a bit underwhelming, but I guess it's understandable considering the circumstances, right? I yes, think re- exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, like it or not, the pandemic did affect a lot of game companies and a lot of things have to be delayed and whatnot, right? Totally, uh, totally. Do you think that we miss um, Sony's presence during E3?
1: Yes, I do, definitely. But not to say that they... I mean, they're in the same boat as everyone else where they, because of the pandemic, they're really trying their best to figure out what to show. So I think Sony at least if they have nothing to show, then don't show anything at all. I mean, they did talk about Ratchet & Clank, uh, Rift Apart, as well as Horizon Zero Dawn. Sorry, it's Horizon Forbidden West. What am I saying? So yeah, I think they might showcase something like idea at TGS or maybe a few months later down the line. So we can expect something from them in the future. But for now, it's best to, you know, like, if they have nothing to show, then you know what? Just buy your time. Just wait. You know, we all can wait because we have all these other games from PC... And Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo Switch coming in, so that's pretty much hard to say, lah.
0: <laughs> what about other publishers? Other big publishers like
1: EA, for example, and even Take Two. Take Two was there, but nothing major was announced as well. I right? think they're just talking about like investment stuff. So they only had the presentation just because to just fill up some quotation for stockholders and share market people but that's about it. So, I didn't really expect much of it and yeah. As for EA, I think they're having this next month on July so we can probably talk about that in the near future.
0: Yeah, going back to the whole um, Summer Game Fest happening before E3, uh, it's pretty interesting because I think E3 has sort of lost its luster for the past Years right, I think uh, yeah, it has been happening for the past couple of years. Um, the fact that I think Sony at one point not wanting to attend, and then a lot of other companies have started following suit as well, shows that I think maybe E3's reputation has sort of like gone a bit downhill since I think like I think the past couple of years, right? Um, yes,
1: especially that leak that happened where basically they had all this Excel sheet of all the different journalists and their addresses and everything all out in the open. That was a huge blow for the ESA guys.
0: Mm. Do you think that this is going to be the trend moving forward? Because I think I remember, I think once upon a time, E3 used to be the gaming show that you want to look forward to. But these days, you know, there are a lot of other shows and with, you know, Summer Game fairs coming up, uh, I guess they're trying to perhaps maybe challenge E3's position
1: uh, to a certain extent and maybe replace E3. Perhaps, perhaps. It looks like it's trying to, essentially, especially when it's in the digital format. But at the same time, people do miss that offline uh, meeting up Uh, bits here and there that happens usually in june for for southeast asia i'm not sure what is that uh, except for maybe the esgs in philippines but that's the biggest one i can think of right now that's relevant and good um but generally for like june itself that would be like the pinnacle time where all companies and all publishers from different walks of life and countries all meet up in that one central location which is los angeles so it's still missed But at the same time, we have to adapt, especially in this this weird past few years or so. So E3 just needs to basically get their act together in terms of like uniting everyone instead of having like separate people doing their own silo things. It just feels like in this extent, E3 itself, ESA are piggybacking on people, especially with the way they handled like the E3 media, uh, WhatsApp, the platform they had a few days prior to E3 day, E3 week itself. Like it was actually quite a mess. So I think they just need to sort this stuff together get their act. Otherwise, stuff like the Summer Games Festival and even independent publisher presentations are going to be a mainstay, especially around the month. So they don't really need E3 per se, except for the offline aspect. You know, like the offline thing, I think that's a different thing altogether. But for the digital space, each different publisher and different companies are fine enough to do things on their own time and accord.
0: Yeah. Um, But overall, I think it was, well, I mean, personally, I feel it's a bit underwhelming, but I think considering the circumstances, I think it was pretty okay. Um, But I guess, yeah, that's pretty much, I think, what we can look forward to maybe, uh, I guess, uh, for the rest of the year and or maybe next year. I think there there will probably be a lot more independent announcements made later down the road, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. At least for the next few months, like E3 week and the summer of gaming, week is not over. I think there's going to be more things happening in the next few months, especially for games that are so close to release on October, November, and December. Mm. Uh, Biggest winner? Well, for me, the biggest surprise is still Metroid Dread because I didn't think Nintendo would dust off that franchise and bring it back from the dead, especially in its original form. But I'm completely happy that happened. Um, Shin Megami Tensei V definitely is a close one, but I kind of expected that to be announced this year. So there you go. Microsoft stuff is definitely Forza Horizon 5. That looked really good. And some of these announcements here and there, like uh, Halo Infinite and what's the other game that came out? Uh, Redfall, that looks pretty promising, even though that's just a trailer. That made me excited for like, hey, this is the stuff that, you know, we expect from E3, like a tease for something new coming out for next year as well as stuff that's coming out this year. So in that sense, both companies did the job. So I put them both together on the same pedestal: Xbox and Nintendo. How about you, Hanif?
0: Um, I personally feel like maybe yeah, Microsoft maybe shaded the the competition a bit. Uh, followed by closely by Nintendo as well. Uh, other than that, maybe the announcement of Elden Ring. But I, yes, I, I, I thank still... you, thank you for
1: bringing it up. That's that's <laughs> yeah. also that's also a good pick.
0: Yeah. yeah, but I, I, otherwise I still feel it's a bit underwhelming. Sorry, it's just, yeah, I was like okay, working man. for it's a okay, bit man. more. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we're so used to to a lot of like announcements. That is true. I mean,
1: we do expect the most from companies, but I also got to factor like what has happened last year and this year. So I'm basically like taking it easy, but at the same time, yeah, okay, we know that you, you're kind of omitting these as well. So like, it's like you take the good or the bad lah, in that sense. And having said that, I do hope that the Dragon's Dogma 2 gets announced somewhere down the line in the next few months. I mean, just a tease, Capcom. Come on, just a tease. I'm kind of looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I know it's pretty convenient that everything is digital these days and you can just you know pretty much watch it. But I think there are some aspects of E3 that we kind of miss as well, right? Especially for the live event.
1: Yeah, when it's actually live, there are some things that can actually go wrong. So I kind of miss the awkward moments in all the different E3 showcases like the Wii Music presentation which was all sorts of had all sorts of cringeworthy moments as well as like uh, the Ubisoft the coffee man I think oh is it Mr. Coffee I forgot but his stuff was pretty awkward and Konami's presentation back in 2010 which is legendary you just look for a video of that you'll see what an awkward presentation that turned out to be but generally yes I do miss the live segments because of how they come up, you don't know what to expect and you kind of want those surprises to happen. Sometimes it could be horrible surprises or sometimes it could be great surprises. Like, I think people remember when Keanu Reeves popped up during the Cyberpunk 2077 presentation, right? Like he said, you're breathtaking. That was totally unscripted because Kandu Reese knows how to, you know, act and present and whatnot, right? So he's a professional, so he knows what to do. So those kind of things I do miss, you know, especially when it comes to a digital showcase because it's all scripted and laid out.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, you're right. I think I uh, like in the case of the Keanu Reeves presentation. Yeah, it was pretty like even you can you can tell that you know for for a seasoned actor like him, he, he still pretty much feels a bit nervous as well. And when the whole your breathtaking thing happened, he was like pretty taken aback by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so actually, and you're yeah, right. I think E3 um, is also pretty notorious for a lot of like I you know, all this awkwardness and all which I think fans like to compile as well. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the, the thing that's pretty much, I guess, quite cool about Ichi is that it's also about the celebration of all the developers as well, but at the same time these developers are also human uh, and, you can and tell they will that sometimes make mistakes
1: somehow they will make yes. mistakes,
0: you know, you can tell that sometimes they are also quite nervous, uh, presenting to you know thousands of people and things like that so it's pretty much, yeah, it makes for, for, for good
1: <laughs> viewing I suppose. A good entertaining viewing but also we got some really nice um, epic moments like Reggie Fils-Aimé made his presentation, made his presence felt in 2006 E3 where he's here to kick ass and take names, you know, that presentation. Satoru Iwata, when he came out for the first time, showing the 3DS and showing off games and presenting, that was good too. Um, I think Xbox's uh, showcasing as well when Peter Moore was in charge of the marketing and uh, pitching when he showed off his GTA 5, So sorry, GTA 4 tattoo. That was also pretty interesting as well. So lots of things, I mean, you got good and bad memories coming in and they all stem from presentations and unscripted moments. I think that's why you felt that this show was overwhelming because it's kind of lacking that human, awkward element that makes it great.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, it's pretty passive, right? It's pretty one way, right? Compared to the things that I think we're so used to and kind of miss now,
1: right? I mean, people do like a good TV show now and again, but others do like like unscripted, office-like moments, like the documentary style kind of filming going on where you don't know what to expect
0: yeah here's hoping that e will eventually get back to that one day right
1: yeah here's hoping here's hoping
0: You've been tuning in to GG Well Played and I'm joined by Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakuchupure.com. and that was our full summary of the Summer of Gaming events from Summer Game Fest to E3 2021. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at bfmradio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin. Thanks for joining us. Game of and stay safe. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.